fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So the Angels are relevant at certain points during the baseball season. Actually, I think always. Not, no, no, okay, sorry. I thought you meant not beyond the right. the the, uh, the trade deadline. Not like, certainly not when the playoffs arrive. They're no. not relevant. Uh, just Mike Trout being shown at like Eagles games. Sure, That's, that's yeah. the closest to relevance, you're right. Yeah, but uh, they're, they're relevant when they do media availabilities, especially when they go as amazingly as they did yesterday on two fronts. Now, if I told you that Anthony Rendon and mm-hmm. Mike Trout spoke and there was n- newsworthy items out mm-hmm. of both guys, I think you would naturally say, well, Mike Trout's got to be the biggest newsbreaker, right? Yeah, I would have, if you would tell me there's news out of Angels camp regarding, at the very least, Mike Trout speaking, I'd say, oh, demanded a trade? Yeah. He did? Okay, well, no, the no. opposite. Yeah. And we'll get to the Mike Trout in just a second, but I think there's a long discussion. Yes. I think many people are going to be having it today yes. after Anthony Rendon let the cat out of the bag. Let's Let's play... Mr. Rendon uh, talking to the assembled masses at Angels Camp yesterday. Is it still a top priority for you? Though? It's never been a top priority for me. This is a job. So I do this to make a living. Uh, my faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure. This is my job. I'm here, aren't I? Do you want to be here? I don't want to talk to you guys at <laughs> 7 in the morning or whatever time <laughs> it is. So... <laughs> Did you, I mean, do you want? I mean, do you want to like be here playing baseball? I have team? answered your question, so why do you keep picking at it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you technically answered it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I want to first things first. Stand your ground, reporter. I know it's tough. Like we've all been there. I've definitely yeah. been there, looking like exactly that. I'm sure, but he didn't answer your question. No, ner- nervous chuckles of like, <laughs> good <laughs> yeah, luck. I guess you did. Not no. You, you should have gone Barry Bonds to him. Answer the question because yeah. that was stupid. So I want to just. Get this out of the way. Please. Your family and your faith should come first. Yep. Like, I don't I don't think any sane person, and maybe the greatest of all time, actually have mm-hmm. their priorities out of whack. Yeah. And it's allowed them to be the greatest of all time. But I would not fault anybody, and don't think anybody should put their profession, whatever it is, even if it's pro sports, ahead of their family, Right? Or their religion. And that's yeah. not part of my... But yeah, like, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's... No, no, no. Like, that's important mm-hmm. stuff. Um, And it is it is a job, right? It's like, it's a, it's a very different job than other jobs. And people are well within their rights to just do a job. And most people, I would say, do jobs that they don't love. Like, we're lucky we get to do a job. Yeah, I... I sorry, I'll let you finish, but... No, I, no, yeah. go ahead. I was just going to say, like, it's... I come to the, I just like a half to cards on the table, be honest with this, of like, as you say that, and God, like, I love my family, but I have been accused of prioritizing job and work too mm-hmm. much. And that's where I just have to be honest, where I come to this conversation that I do, like, I have always been someone who a job is such a big part of my identity. Mm-hmm. So, like, hearing this, it just floors me, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to. No, get no, no, no. Okay. So, yeah, lots of people, though, they do jobs because you got to do something. You have to. They, yeah. If yeah. your job, I actually would go as far as say, if your job is part of your identity, I would consider you, and I consider myself this way, a very lucky person. Yes. That's how I would go look Yeah, at most it. people just work to live. They don't live mm-hmm. to work, right? There's our like boy that's... who texts us from the dirty, wet pit. Yeah. Do <laughs> you know what? Maybe I, he I, loves it. I, I shouldn't I, disparage. You don't know. But yeah, people have to work because gotta eat, right? Yeah. Unless, you know. Because money can be, my understanding is it could be exchanged for goods and services. <laughs> Correct. 
being a major league baseball player is not a normal job. We, you cannot apply the normal conversations about normal employment to a job in which, well, one, you've made more than $170 million, and two, you have more than $115 million coming your way, and three, you've played a maximum of 58 games over the four seasons you've earned that, that money with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So your job is, number one, so number one thing, when you sign a contract to be a Major League Baseball player, your number one job, and it's guaranteed money, so it's like no one's going to take this away from you unless, I guess, you you break one of the stipulations mm-hmm. within your contract, and some of that is like there's morality clause, yeah, yeah. whatever. You, but like the number one job that you're understood to do when you sign a, a contract with a Major League Baseball team is perform on the field. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, honestly, the rest of it, is relevant to a degree, but not as relevant as the first thing. Totally. If you do the first thing, uh, like this is just like a footnote. Like who cares? Ha, ah, what a weird thing. Like Adam Dunn, yes. right? The conversation we had, Adam Dunn and J.P. Ricciardi said, like, hey, you know who doesn't even like baseball? Who cares? Hit bombs. Yeah. Took walks. You want me to love baseball or you want me to sock some dingers? (laughs) Sock some dingers. When you don't do that as spectacularly as Anthony Rendon has not done that Mm -hmm. as a member of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, there is a secondary component of the job, which is entertainment and bringing people to the ballpark. Mm -hmm. And who the hell that owns any Angels paraphernalia wants to come to the ballpark and see that dude who you know mm-hmm. don't want to be there. Yeah. That's part of it. I I will uh, this this is slightly counterintuitive for what you're saying. If I'm an Angels fan, I that guy sold at least one ticket cuz <laughs> I'm sitting as close as I can to him and letting him hear it for the entirety of a game. That's kind of the way I I look at it there. Like I would be all over him. But does it in does it endear me to the franchise? Does it endear me to the player? Does it make me care anymore? Absolutely not. It's the exact opposite. And you nailed it there. Guess what? You perform. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Say whatever you want. Have as bad of body language as you want. The other thing that I think, you know, it, that I think opens the uh, an avenue to this conversation is the the way baseball is. It is an everyday grind. There is no getting away from it. And I think mm. that's why he feels like he has more of a leg. Like, oh God, I'm not like these football players who like they get all these days off. Guess what? They're practicing every day. They're traveling all the time. Mm. But I think that baseball, it is, and I don't, you know, every sport every has Every day. He doesn't play no, every I, day. I'm aware he doesn't. <laughs> but I think it's, it's you, when people tell you something over and over again, especially if you're want to believe it, you really believe it. And what do we always say about baseball? It's the longest season. It's the biggest grind. You do it every day. And he probably hears that stuff and goes like, oh my God, you're right. It is so hard to do this. It's ridiculous to have this opinion. 38 million bucks coming his way this year. And to be so nakedly honest with that it that is the most jarring part to me is that he he either completely does not care which i think is a very big part of this or is so blind to the realities of life the world the way people consume his job the reason he gets paid as handsomely as he does how did he think this would come across like is this a guy just as he said talking at seven in the morning and hey you and I do it every day. Maybe we don't always say things exactly the way we would want no, to. But this how is, did he think this was going to come him. across? This is so Chelsea Jane's uh, Nationals beat reporter mm-hmm. had some of the quotes from her story from a half decade ago when he played for the Washington Nationals. And this is a guy that always kind of 
spoke out about the weird, the culture of baseball and his his love of the game or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. So I want to also make this clear. Like, sure. be honest. Like, I'm I'm not yes. going to slag the guy for for telling us his truth, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's is a poorly conceived idea on his part. Yes. And if I was the Angels, I'd be like, shut up. Just shut, just, just shut up. I would also say that, like, incredible to reach the heights that he's reached if, in fact, he doesn't have that burning desire that you hear about in so many mm-hmm. stories surrounding prof- professional athletes who, boy, they they love the game so much that they will sacrifice. And, like, the line of, of priorities does get blurred a bit mm-hmm. when it comes to your your personal life, your family life, and and the other things in your life and your your pro-sporting life that, that he's what it sounds like to me, not been that dedicated to this thing and has made the hundreds of millions of dollars that he had yep. is unbelievable. And that that he's telling us the truth, I appreciate it. But that doesn't mean that I loathe him any less. Like, I, that's the thing. Yep. And I can't get away from this thing, and, and, it, and it would be true of this profession too. And you know what? I, I've known people, and, 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 and maybe... It's a. It was a, a thing that they developed over time, getting jaded in this profession, sure. where like you saw them come to work and they uh, head down and ah, this another day, uh, you know, grinding it out again. It's a good Brent impression, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nobody impression, but I've been in this industry long enough to have seen those people. But they're amazing at their job, and you're like, yeah. wow, poor you that you have to. <laughs> you're you're burdened with this incredible talent. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I. I don't want to fault him for for being upfront with it, but again, like comparing my feelings that I had for those people who did the thing mm-hmm. that I wanted to do as well as they did with no effort or no burning desire, like I had, I would love nothing more than to have the talents that Anthony Rendon has. And if I did, the feeling I would have being so 180 degrees away from Anthony Rendon, I'm sorry, I can't help but bring my own sensibilities to that and be infuriated. I, I, I do. So again, I mm-hmm. got, it's, it's like a conflicting feelings. Yeah. Like, tell me your truth. Yes, of course. Oh, I hate your truth. And I, I, can't, I can't soften that. I hate that. I think it's really important that you bring up the Chelsea Jane stuff from time back in Washington. Because I think, and again, like we talk about this all the time with baseball being a... You know, a regional game, you care about your team first, your division second, and then, you know, as the season goes along, you begin to care more and more about the, the league at large. But I imagine people would hear that and go, well, yeah, I, if I was, and, you know, I want to be clear, he has not been that good. He hasn't even been that playing. Like, to your point, he's played 58 games, and it's, you're, you play 60 games, you're laughing about it. But no, I think, he's been awful I, as, an, as an, that, an angel. That's what I was going to say. But I think people would hear that and say, well... You know, this was a guy who early in his career, yeah, he played on some bad Nats teams, but he was also there when things started to turn around. I, too, would get jaded playing for a franchise that clearly doesn't want to win. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. This isn't somebody who has been, who took the money and got trapped at the terrible franchise, and it's like, a, you know, don't you know Robbie Cano, like, playing out the string of it? Not that, you know, he was great at the tail end of it, but this isn't what happened here. This is a guy who has always been wired this way, and I just, for one, cannot wrap my head around it again like no matter even even somebody like you and I like we love what we do for work but you know I'll just pick something we both love it's like we would give it up in a heartbeat if we could be professional golfers or something along those lines it's like I just cannot wrap my head around this like what does and he said it it's his faith it's family what 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 does he do for fun like what is it that actually 
gets him going. They're like, allow- maybe he like is envious of people with office jobs. He's like, if I God, could, if get I could that just expense get, report in, maybe I could just get they, to a cubicle. Guess what? They have cubicle. <laughs> I know he'd be like the most expensive ticketing agent of all time, but just put him upstairs <sighs> in a suite. Then, if that's what he really, really wants to do, it's you. <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to use these words regarding him. I do commend his honesty. I do, because mm-hmm. there's no way that this is going to go at all well. The one thing I'd say about this is, and there's no way he would have come to a mic with this if this was a, you know, a real, like, actual rabid people that cared sports market. Could you imagine this on an East Coast real sports city? Oh, A sure. guy like this? Well, it wouldn't happen. No, it never would, because this is this is just what what happens. It's the reason why guys like playing on the West Coast, and, you know, I say it all the time about the Dodgers. Guess uh, what? They're great, and people love them, and everyone everyone who loves their team loves it just as much as people love the Leafs or pick your Blue Blood franchise, but it also immediately stops mattering because once the team's not good because guess what? It's nice outside. Um, the, the other take I wanted to come to the microphone with, and I'm sure many people will yeah. today. Is you're like, going to like pre-give it, but it, save it for them. No, the because time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to okay. counter the – I'm not going to make the straw man argument. I'm going to say here's the argument that will be made that I disagree with. Um, that hey, this guy's making made enough money. Just do retire. do what you want to do. That just retire mm. and give up the more than hundred uh, hundred million dollars that is owed to you by the Angels. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? Yeah, like hey, he, the guy's got it the the best of all worlds. That's they, why we're allowed to criticize him because those contracts are guaranteed. He doesn't have to perform. He doesn't have to play. No. To earn it. Why? What? Why would he? He. That's why he feels so emboldened to say it. It's not not like. A normal job where, like, mm-hmm. you go to your boss and you say, hey, I hate it here. Like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, I have no passion for this. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Mm-hmm. Uh, your boss, is, unless you are the greatest performer, mm-hmm. like, you 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 work in sales and you're the number one salesperson. If there's somebody else that can do your job, guess what? You're out on the street. Not the case when you're a Major yeah. League Baseball no. player and you have a guaranteed contract. So, yeah, I don't fault him if... What he's saying is true, mm-hmm. that he hates coming to work. Uh, that's overstating it. But, like, well, that I don't just, know that it is. It's just another job for him, and it's not something he gets all geeked up about doing, still doing it because he's got many hundreds of million dollars still to come his way. And to your point, not the first one. Like, Greg Oden famously, I, he wanted to be a dentist, but his hands were too big. That's not, like, I'm not making that up. That's mm-hmm. true. That was in a Sports Illustrated profile of him. It, just because you're now basketball is obviously the most you're just freaking nature. Mm. Sorry, bud. You're seven feet tall. That's what you yeah. do for your life. Now, baseball is a little different in that regard. And I am just pulling up uh, before we move on from this. I just pulled up the contract numbers. Here's where they aired. Now, I don't know because he mentioned loving faith and his family. And again, like those should be, again, for you and I, one of those not as important, but family should be the pillar of your life. I genuinely Mm -hmm. believe that. And my family, I'm saying it. I do believe it. I love my job, but I love you guys too. But they erred by, obviously, it wasn't going to take a bonus-laden deal. Mm-hmm. But they're the Angels. They were never going to win anything anyways. The He makes $38 million in base salary. If he wins World Series MVP, you know what the bonus is? Two hundred fifty grand. okay? Yeah. Uh, for an all-star starter, he gets hundred and twenty-five grand. It's like, I feel like you need to motivate that guy. Maybe it should have been a week off. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> that should have been, he should get the first bonus structure yeah. structured to him. It's like money. He's already got more of it. What does he need that for? They should give him like loo days or mm-hmm. vacation days for every time he has like a good stretch of baseball in him. I'm going to be interested to see how he messages this going forward. I, and I will give 
give him all the kudos in the world if he just stands on it and says, like I said what I said. Like, I don't have any problem with the way yeah. I said that. And you guys can receive it however you want. And it'll be interesting to see him if he ever gets on the field for the Angels in opposing ballparks, the, the reception to Anthony Rendon, who's now the face of this not thing. Caring. This is like, life's not fair. It truly Mm-mm. isn't. No. It's not fair that so many... Uh, the people in our listening audience, and mm-hmm. I know you and I, oh my God. would, again, like, how many people would we push over just to get the opportunity to play professional sports? I'm looking sports? at one right now. <laughs> professional sports in any capacity that this guy is like, ah, whatever. Like, I'd rather not, but I guess for the money I will. It's, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It sucks, but life's not fair. Nope. Uh, my trout. <laughs> Also, oh, right. Him. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mike Trout, who I think is not of the same mold. Anthony you don't Rendo, think? Although, like, maybe this comment you could argue is closer okay. to that than, than you would like to think. But one of the greatest baseball players that ever lived already. Yeah. But uh, now with uh, no Shohei Otani and <laughs> with a guy uh, who hates playing it. third base 40 times a year that he wishes he wasn't there. Um, and a team that hasn't signed a free agent of note talked about there were there were some rumors at the beginning of this offseason. This guy has 10 and 7 rights. The, he has a no trade clause that, hey, maybe the Angels would approach him about waiving those and starting the rebuild by being allowed to be traded out of Anaheim. I think the biggest thing right now is I think the easy way out is just ask for a trade. Um, you know, there might be a time. Maybe uh, I've, I really haven't thought about this, but uh, you know, when I signed that contract, I, I'm loyal. You know, I want to win a championship here. The overall picture of winning a championship or getting to the playoffs here is bigger satisfaction, bailing out and just taking the easy way out. So I think that's that's my, been my mindset. You know, maybe down the road if some things change, but that's been my mindset ever since the trade speculations, you know, came up. So that's where I'm at. All right. So here's what he's saying. Yep. You can't be mad at James Harden and mad at me. Like, you got to choose one. If you're <laughs> mad at James Harden, then you got to a- a- appreciate my loyalty to the Angels. It's funny because where my, and maybe this is just because, again, like Mike Trout being the, the baseball player that he is, the only thing I know about him has nothing to do with baseball. It's just that he loves Philly sports. Mm-hmm. That just feels like a sports fan to me. He's like, yeah, I don't want to. And, and it's baseball, right? Like, we've seen super teams come together and it's far from certainty. And the other part of it as well is that you don't, unlike with basketball, you mentioned James Harden there, you don't play with baseball players. Like they're around you and they're mm-hmm. on your team and you actually need to like the person because you're around them so much. But the idea of, I want to play with all these other great players. You just want to win. The idea of who's batting, you know, before or it affects you in terms of, you know, the pitches you get, but it's not like other team sports where you're playing off of one another. I, I have vacillated on this, but I think I'm back to respecting Mike Trout for it, for not just saying, get me out of here. I wonder how much of it as well is that he knows that any organization that trades for him is going to have to neuter themselves in a pretty big way to trade for him. Like, you're not getting Mike Trout for, you know, a a bunch of nickels and dimes. You're going to have to give up your finest finest pieces for it, roster players, all of that. So I think there's some element of of that as well. And I think the other part of this is that he's not going to have to ask for a trade. Eventually, and maybe you feel differently about this, is that, it's just going to run its course. And there's going to be no point in time of paying Mike Trout what he's paid. And if he doesn't want to be moved, he doesn't have to be. But I think it will be the organization saying, 
okay, what are we doing? Well, here? but there were reports that that was going to take place this off season, and that's where the the for me the the point of demarcation exists where it's like yeah it's it's one thing to sign a contract in in good faith and and be with the organization that took a Mm -hmm. chance on you which they did when he was drafted not as the first overall selection in the first round because he's from because it's cold where he's from so he can play baseball sure but they drafted and developed you and you're a legend and you're going to be immortalized in statue form and have your jersey retired and all that stuff it's it's quite a, a, a thing to tell that franchise, hey, get me the hell out of here. This is, didn't go the way I expected. And I know it hasn't gone the way they've expected. It's not like they haven't attempted to, to make it work. How much money did we just talk about them giving the guy who hates baseball? And nah, maybe that's the problem. Albert Pujols, like they've gone after yeah, the... Pujols did like baseball, that much I'm sure. They about. went after some big name free agents and C.J. Wilson. Like they, they've, they've just failed spectacularly at acquiring talent around him, but they have tried. It's one thing to go to the executive in in charge or the ownership level and say, this sucks. Yeah, if he was a pirate or something. Yeah, to do that is different than them coming to you or floating the idea, which again, is just reported, so I don't know how much of this is factual, but we had reports about the Angels either contemplating it or factually bringing something to Mike Trout's camp that, hey, would you be open to the idea of moving on because what we've done around you, like we wish it had gone better, it's gone so like so poorly. How, how, we haven't sniffed the playoffs and we've had two of the best players that ever lived, so we got to try a different way. It's quite another thing to say, yeah, because that is where you get into like Anthony Rendon land if you're like, yeah, it's just like, it's a, I'm having a fun time. It's different than Anthony Rendon because yes. you're like, I'm just having a fun time playing my own baseball game <laughs> without the pressures of winning because that's not really important to me. It's the back of my baseball card, which is where we could get to if, in fact, those reports are true. I, I would love to see Mike Trout play in a game that matters. I would think he wants to as well. I just, I, I think you kind of nailed it at the very beginning of this. You can't have it both ways. You can't hate James Harden for jumping ship every time the wind blows and you can't or and hate Mike Trout for wanting to stay no, the but course. I, th- I think they are different though because James Harden says get me out of here when there were reasons to believe it could still work there right mm. and and him being fickle about it and then Mike Trout spending a decade in one place and then them saying hey it's not working here you can we can send you somewhere where it's more likely to work and it's better for us because it hasn't worked with you and we can have young pieces and you saying no I'm more comfortable here well and this is this is maybe where we this is maybe where we kind of like transition to the Manfred of it all it's like obviously the commissioner is not going to step in and say for the good of the game you have to get Mike Trout in a market that matters it's kind of what you need to see though like for the good of the game and for the good of Mike Trout mm-hmm. how sad will it be if his entire career and again I, I p- please prove me wrong so these numbers don't hold true forever that he's one for 15 with a homer in his postseason career mm-hmm. that can't hold true at the end of his career but if he doesn't demand out I have no reason to believe that it that it wouldn't yeah, you know what? Let's maybe save the uh, Scott Boris conversation sure. and Justin Turner speaking out about the big name free agents that still exist for sure. uh, after eight o'clock. Sounds but, good. Uh, yeah, those guys are still out there. Uh, when we come back, though, we'll talk to Anthony Petrielli, who writes the Leafs Notebook every Monday on uh, Maple Leaf Hot Stove. Next, as the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
a whole hump. Another goal yesterday. Two two As our boy Luke said, too shy of a hat trick. Mm -hmm. Slouching. Hitting 49 for the season. Maybe going to hit 50 in his home state. Born in uh, California. But yeah, it's home state of Arizona. Tomorrow, where are you percentage-wise on Austin Matthews hitting 70 now, Brent? Because we know your take already that you think Connor McDavid having a 10-point yeah. game in his career is more likely than this season Austin Matthews hitting 70. Yeah, but you're... You're Go a pragmatic ahead. guy. I figured you would have just thought I was like really just like just doing blackjack, like just playing the odds there. Mm -hmm. That's what I was I was doing. Uh, I would say I am now at a 34% chance he's going to hit mm. 70 goals. I've, uh, I've climbed up. I, I'll be honest. Like, that's I, still pretty low considering it, he's on pace for mid-70s now. Yeah, I, I'm – you know what? I think – I think I'm just going to hold firm on on him being, being a really be, not being a hater. Prove me wrong. I'd love to be wrong about this. Please, please, oh, please you prove think me wrong. If you take the opposite side, it's all going to dry up and you're going to be responsible for Austin Matthews ending at 49 goals this season. No, I just think it's actually like a great place to be in if I'm the only because I feel like the pendulum. <laughs> I feel like before I was not alone. Most mm. people were saying, come on, 70s nuts. I feel like the pendulum swinging to where. I don't know if it's 50-50 or over 50% of people think he will get 70, but I think mm -hmm. we're much trending towards that. And uh, no one's going to remember the guy who said he wasn't going to if he does. So that's just the place I'm at. And I, then I get to take the victory lap. But oh. I also just generally in my heart of hearts think goal scoring is hard. And I just don't think he's going to hit 70. I, yeah. I Prove me wrong. Please, please, please. Of the panelist uh, yesterday, uh, Elliot Friedman and Justin Bourne said over, but Nick Kiprio still holding firm. He's on... Your side of the equation. That's just under. That's just because he's like, that'd be bad for Marner somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and his shoot, shooting percentage is an abnormally high, 21.5%. All right, let's bring in Anthony Petrielli. Uh, writes the Leafs Notebook every Monday on Maple Leafs Hot Stove. How's it going, Anthony? I'm good, guys. How about you? Good. So give us the stats. Like, what do you think? Matthew 70, where does he finish uh, goal scoring-wise this season? You know, I, I, honestly, I think half the case I would make for it in terms of him hitting it is like they're they're in the thick of a of a playoff race. Like I, I know that they're comfortably up now in terms of making it, but you know they're staring down the barrel of being on the road to start round one. Like they they need to continue collecting wins. Like I actually think he'd be less likely to get it if they were sort of kind of coasting down the regular season as we've seen, but like they legitimately need him to score. You know, like last night is an example. Like he scored a huge goal in the game. Like they consistently need that from him and he's consistently delivering. So I wonder just how much that kind of factors in because he doesn't strike me too much as like he really wants to go out of his way to get this. I, I think it's more of like a necessity thing. His teammates want him to get it, though. Like, pretty clearly, if it's up to Mitch Marner, yeah, like, uh, Austin Matthews is scoring 70. No, it's it's funny you say that, Anthony, because I've kind of always noticed that about Matthews is that, like, look, he's not he's not uh, blind to a celebration of his own. He loves, you know, dropping a one knee or give me the Patrick Kane, can you hear me, Hulk Hogan. But if you watch his actual reaction, not the performative celebration, but just the first blush reaction, he gets just as, if not more, up for 
you know, it, you know, when Mitch Marner scores, it's kind of exciting for him. But like when you're Bobby McMahon types or you're Yarn Crock or somebody who you expect it a little less from, that is when he seems to get so geeked up about it. And I think the point you make is a good one, though, about them kind of needing this. We remember when there was the the push for for 60 where, okay, well, there was some talk. Are you going to maybe have to sit him? What's going to the end of the season going to look like? There's no world where there's going to be sitting. Now, I think they're going to be comfortably in a a playoff spot, you know, just to, I don't want to move away from Matthews, but to kind of extrapolate it to the team. Do you think that that is going to bode well for them? We had this conversation about the Panthers in years past that playing playoff hockey for three months is what allowed them to, to go on the run that they went on. How much or how much, how beneficial do you think that'll be to the group and Matthews involved in that, that they kind of need to be pushing, pushing, pushing. There's no room for tinkering or, or taking their, their feet off the gas here. I think it just depends how they go about playing that, right? So if the if the formula that they're pushing as part of that is figuring out how to get contributions across across the lineup, which we're starting to see some hints at right now, then I think it's a great thing. I think if the if the automatic reaction is we need to play the tar out of our top guys in order to, you know, milk out every point that we can, I think that's a really bad formula for for success for them in the long run, right? If we're watching just games constantly down the stretch, I mean, Matthews didn't even play 20 minutes last night, which I think is a good thing. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think that they should be hammering him with minutes all the way down the stretch here. You're kind of seeing things push out, but you look at, you know, even just last week against Philly, they have the good game against St. Louis. They get healthy, and then there wasn't any forward that played over 14 minutes other than the core four guys. And it's like, if that's what's going to happen, I think that's problematic. But if they're starting to look around and say, hey, I think we might actually have some like other good hockey players on this team, <laughs> and figuring that part out in a tight atmosphere, kind of as you alluded to, I think that would serve them very well. Yeah, if they have, if they discovered those other good players and they all come together at the same time, which might be happening now on a four-game winning streak, and it's an interesting time for that to be happening with the, the trade deadline fast approaching, maybe they are definitively in this upper echelon of cup contenders this season. We were having the, the, the conversation yesterday about it, Anthony, and I was laying out stats for and against them being included with, I guess, the Vegases, the the Colorados, the Edmontons, maybe the 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 Panthers and the Bruins of of the world as as true Cup contenders. The way you've seen this team play this season, w- would you would you make the case for or against? And we know it's hockey, right? Like it's the most random of all the North American pro sports. But if, if you're just like making the case for or against it, which side do you think you would land on? The Leafs being a Cup contender or not? I. As currently constructed, I'd probably put them just a, a, a tier below the true teams that I would consider cup contenders just because I, I think they need a quality defenseman. Not to say they won't get one. I, I think they want to, obviously. But until they bring that guy in, it's hard for me to look at the group and say, yeah, that's that's going to suffice against the other top teams. I think what's going for them, though, is I don't think the East is particularly strong. Like, I think the East is wide open. Yeah. I think Florida is a problem. But beyond Florida, there's no one I look at there and go, wow, that team would, you know, that would be a, you know, that would be a concern if the Leafs were playing that team other than Florida. 
Yeah, the Panthers are, are obviously scary, but they're also, I mean, it's hockey. There's no such thing as a perfect team. Like, they've got their 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 flaws uh, as well. You know, you mentioned the idea of them going out and getting that defenseman. I mean, we've been talking about this, oh, only forever in, in this market. But what are the lessons? You know, we've talked about this so much. What are the lessons you take away from Morgan Riley and the team's record without him? And, you know, the team, the guys have talked uh, in this stretch about doing it for Mo and kind of rallying around him. And I think it's a different thing to miss a guy for a five or, you know, four or six or whatever it ends up being game suspension versus, you know, the injury that he had last year. But when I think about the kind of lessons we've learned from this is that maybe it's not the big, sexy defenseman. Maybe it's more your, just to throw out a name, like your Sean Walker type out of Philly is what this team needs because even you think of Morgan Riley the best version we've seen of him it's not been with the number one defenseman alongside him it's been with like Ron Hainsey and Ilya Labushkin and Luke Shen do you think maybe the lesson to take away from this is not to say don't improve the blue line but you know we think about these defensemen who can do it all and kind of a two-way guy maybe the answer is kind of less of that and you know I look at a guy like Simone Benoit all he does is what's asked of him and nothing more and he's fitting in spades on this blue line do you think maybe the lesson to take of the the record without Riley is that maybe less is more in terms of what this team needs to add to their blue line I don't say add a lesser player but it's not somebody we think of as the kind of number one or top pair guy it's just another guy who can kind of filter in and give them solid minutes is what they need maybe what do you make of that I think the the counter argument I would have to it is it's like they, they didn't play a good team in these four games they, they didn't play any of those. None of those teams had mm-hmm. a real first line. And so I'd flip it and then say, let's say you add a Sean Walker and he plays with Morgan Riley. Which of the three pairings is going to play against the David Pasternak line or the Artemi Panarin line or the Barkoff line? And that would be my concern. So I'm not saying they, they need like a full-fledged stud, but I think they need someone that they can pair up with somebody else whoever that is and say like you guys are going to go up against their top guys in a seven game series. Like you're going to know, you know, each other's middle names by the end of it. Like you're, you're like, I don't think they have that right now. They used to have that when they had Jake Muzzin and like a few years ago with TJ Brody. I don't know if they have that right now. I think that's probably the biggest concern. They need someone who they can really trust in a tough defensive role to eat huge minutes. I think their penalty kill is really bad. Like their penalty kill is a problem right now. Like St. Louis snapped it around. They could have scored like four times before they finally scored. You know, even Anaheim snapped it around. It was like the only thing they did that entire game is that one power play where they were just constantly hitting cross team passes. So like, they don't need like a full-fledged number one defenseman, but they need someone of that mold or you go, this is a quality player that we will happily deploy against the other team's best players. How much of that problem is also with the the forwards, right? Like I'm not, I, I think everything you said there is a really salient point and I, I agree with almost all of it, but would you feel differently about it if this team had what Keefe has kind of tried to have in the past and it's a true matchup line you know they kind of spread everything out a little more yesterday you saw Tavares with Robertson and McMahon for a stretch and that left Bertuzzi Domi and Nylander together Uh, obviously neither of those are matchup lines you don't want to use Austin Matthews as a 
you know, shut down center or anything along those lines. How much of those problems also go to the forward group and the fact that there's just not, I'm not saying there aren't the players that you could have there because I think Camp and Yarncroft should be able to form two thirds of that line. But how much of that is the, the issue as well, that there's not really the forward group you, you trust in, in that role either. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of chicken and egg too, right? In the sense that, um, you know, half the reason they don't have it is because they're paying the top guys so much money. So <laughs> by default, the top guys are going to have to go head to head against the other team's top players because that's like that's what they're paid to do. And and to be honest, that's fair. Like if you know, if they're going to play top teams, I don't know if it should necessarily ride on like David Camp's ability to match up against Barkoff for like 15 minutes a night. It should yeah, that really should come down to Matthews going against. Bark off for 15 minutes a night and like let the best man win basically. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think to your point, and we see it with the other top teams too, right? Like the way they run it, we, we saw, you know, we're going to see another round of it, I guess we'll call it on Saturday. But the first time that the Leafs played Colorado, he's had the infamous, like that's not the NHL quote. Like that's what the teams do. They load up their top guys all together and they say like, stop them. If you have a problem with it, stop them. So I think they need to add someone to that mix on defense to, to round out the group. And I think the other thing the Leafs will kind of have to try to sort out is how does Matthew Nyes look in that group when it's playoff time? And like, it's a different beast than St. Louis at 1 PM on the afternoon. And and I think Matthew Nyes has been great since the all-star break, but you know, how is he going to handle that kind of matchup? Because it's, it's different, right? Mm-hmm. We know that once, uh, once playoffs start, it's, it's very different. Yeah, we've seen him in the postseason, though. He looked, he looked pretty good, again, in his In his a third-line role. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, how would you evaluate his season as a whole? Obviously, given the opportunity that he's had and, and, and this being his first full season and, and coming off college where it's, it's so, so much shorter and the travel and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and boy, it looked pretty good yesterday. Even before the goal, it looked like he was looking for his own shot a little bit more. How have you uh, evaluated Matthew Nye's first season? Yeah, I mean, he's on a six-game point streak right now, so it's a it's a good time to prop him up. Like, I think I think he's shown us that he's going to be really good. I don't think he's really good yet. Like, I, I think he's starting to figure out the league, and that's a positive trend. Like, the Leafs should be super pumped about just what his long-term prospects are going to be. I mean, he's. 21 he's he doesn't look out of place at all playing with top guys like if that's easier said than done like, there's a lot of guys that cannot play with Matthews and Marner and he can keep up from a skating standpoint he's big and strong enough to create turnovers he's skilled enough as we saw yesterday to make plays so he's you know starting to kind of find his way it's easy to defer to Mac we talked about Matthews scoring 70 to start it's easy to just get the puck and be like defer to him all the time. So I think he needs to kind of find his, you know, equilibrium there in terms of how much am I going to pass to this guy? How much am I going to shoot and make them respect me? I I think the, the struggles are what we see of, of a young player, right? So Philly last week, it's a two goal lead. There's like six minutes left and Philly has to pinch at that point. There's a 50, 50 puck and his eyes light up at the possibility of a two on one down the ice <laughs> instead of just getting the puck out. And, you know, just making a responsible play. Whereas you look at a guy like, we'll say Callie Yarncroft, because he's played with Matthews and Marner all, a bunch. He's he's not nearly, you know, as sexy as Nye as a player. 
but Yarncroft is going to get the puck out. Like he knows that, like that's it. Like he might get crushed doing it. He has no interest in the two on one, but he's going to know the value because he's a veteran mm-hmm. and he's in his season. He's kind of been through. So I think that's the kind of stuff where Nice is is working through. But you'll see the flashes like yesterday. Like that was that was an awesome goal that he scored. Like that full marks for that. That was yeah. an unbelievable little pull and tuck that he had. Yeah, no, you know, no one needs me to tell him this, but uh, the play by Matthews to get there, not just the pass, but the ability to chase down the man, win a puck battle in a really tight space really quickly, and then just uh, fire that into the slot. And again, nice to kind of snap it right right under the bar in, in quick succession. You know, uh, let's go a little bit further down the pecking order. And I think a lot of these things will ring, a lot of the stuff you said will ring true with this player, just in a, you know, a, a little bit of a lower grade form. And in Bobby McMahon, you know, I think this is kind of found money for the Leafs in terms of where he came from. Uh, I don't know that anybody saw the offense coming, although maybe maybe he did. What do you make of him and what do you think the, I won't say long-term prospects because, you know, who knows? He's a, he's an unrestricted free agent has been uh, in my nightmares pointed out to me this morning. So yeah. who knows what the future holds for him. But for the kind of this, this year, what do you think his role ultimately ends up with? I, again, they played him with Tavares a, a fair amount yesterday. I don't know the top six Bobby McMahon is a thing we, we expected but if they want to spread the offense around the lineup, maybe it's a thing we should get used to. Where, where do you think he's kind of best utilized on this team? So he's, he's interesting because he was, he was a scorer in the American league, right? Like he set the Marley's rookie record for goals. He had like a crazy run of like 19 goals in 20 games or something like that, where he produced basically a goal per game for a while, you know, Austin Matthews, like numbers just in the American league. So He's, you know, he's a little bit older, so it kind of pumped the brakes on what the overall ceiling is, but he definitely, like, he's a trigger man. Like, he, he can score goals. That's what he's done in the pros. Guys that, you know, guys that usually score in the American League, if they make it to the NHL and they have the tools that he does, meaning, like, he's big and strong. He's not one of these, like, 5'8 guys that's crushing the American League. Like, he's he's a he's a big boy. And so guys that do that, if they start to figure it out in the NHL, tend to usually score a little bit in that league too. So I don't know necessarily if I would look at him and say, you're going to be top six left winger on the team, but I think he can help fill out a third line scoring line, which the Leafs have kind of had to deploy this year, talking about them not having like that true third down checking shutdown line. Mm. Like I, I think it makes sense for him more for his skill set to be there as opposed to the fourth line, David camp, Noah Gregor, Ryan Reeves role that he started. And I just think that fourth line was so bad and he was just giving them something in terms of moving the puck up ice and having some zone time and getting it on the four check. And, you know, at that point they had Kelly Yarncroft in the lineup and all that. So it took like some some injury and a random hat trick and you know any number of other things. Noah Gregor struggling and eventually getting healthy scratch for him to get here, but he, like we'll see what he looks like against the the better teams. That'll be the thing. I have no doubt that he could play in that role if they're playing the St. Louis's of the world the rest of the way. But they got Vegas and they got Colorado coming up, mm-hmm. so, so that'll really be a bit more telling. Like, does it look out of place? Is he able to move the puck? He might not score. I don't think anyone's saying, you know, if he doesn't get a hat trick against Vegas, like this is a bust or anything crazy. But, like, can he create some offense? Can he get in on the four check? If he's not going to produce anything, what does that look like? 
to me that like that has to be like he has to be physical. If you're not you're not going to score every game, but if you're in on the four check, you're wearing down opponents, defensemen, that sort of part to the game, which he's capable of doing. It's going to be hard to take him out of the top nine. God, I, now I'm playing this thing out where Morgan Riley serves the final uh, of his five-game suspension in Arizona tomorrow, comes back against the defending champs, and then it's Colorado, and then it's the the Golden Knights again. <laughs> Leafs go on a three-game losing streak. They go 5-0 and without Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley steps back in and be just solely because of the opponents they're playing. They, they don't look like the same team. Oh, the takes, Anthony. We love a narrative. We love it. It's uh, honestly until uh, we are going to hear it for sure. Like that record without him is going to be flashed a lot. But honestly, the thing I'll go back to with Morgan Riley will always be if and when he stops being playoff Morgan Riley, then right. I think they're, but like until that happens, I, I, I don't care. It's, it's what, what are we in February still? So we, we know like he's been by far of all of the guys, the most consistent producer and big game player on this team. So if that stops happening, I think it's a more fair conversation. But until that stops happening, it's just it's a regular season game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's 82 of them. And despite the fact that the Leafs are closer to the uh, not being in the playoff line than uh, they have in years past, they're, they're going to be there pretty clearly, it seems. Uh, Anthony, always a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on, guys. Anthony Petrelli, uh, writer of the Leafs Notebook, every Monday, which you can read on Maple Leafs Hot Stove. And some hot takes are going to come out of Leafs Twitter. I'm telling you, if they continue to win, and there's only mm-hmm. one more game to yep. go in the Morgan Riley suspension, and then just because of the nature of the schedule, so you couldn't have made this case a season ago. It was just too big a sample, right? Very you large. don't you don't get to play 15 games a month's worth right. of games and say, well, but they played all the easy teams. Well, first of all, that that people wasn't did, people did try to do that a little bit with the Oilers, but yeah, take it easy. I mean, Agreed. it was also the way they played. Like they just did not allow anything yep. in that sample. It was a larger sample, mm-hmm. but I think, yeah, it, it sucks that you have to combine it with this sample, but the, this is all we have. Mm-hmm. This is a different deal. They, they were just yep. like, just schedule wise. It worked out well for winning games without Morgan Riley. It did. And uh, like you like you said, the schedule that's there, like we'll be here Friday, depending on how it all goes. But how weird will it be to walk in, like <laughs> not to make everything about us, but it's like coming back from vacation and maybe the world is burning because Morgan Riley has ruined the Toronto Maple Leafs. Dude, well, so this is a different <laughs> player, but like there was, I also saw the, the little jokers when Michael Bunting was suspended mm-hmm. and... They won, yeah, and he was a healthy scratch. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- we have seen proof of concept. Now, Morgan Riley being this team's best defenseman mm-hmm. and Michael Bunting oh, not being offended by you, not being the team's best player, but a pretty significant contributor mm-hmm. in a playoff game, they yes. said, like, got to go with the momentum thing. Like, this this isn't something that it's just fan speak. Like, no. we've seen proof of concept with this Leafs team. Yeah, we have. But to your point, Morgan Riley and Michael Bunting, and I say this as the president of the Michael Bunting fan club, that uh, there's there's about a galaxy between the, the two players there. All right, time now for The Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. 19 plus, bet responsibly. 7 o'clock on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1 tonight. Yeah, an interesting Eastern Conference fair that Leaf mm-hmm. fans will be paying attention to uh, as the Pittsburgh Penguins plan for their playoff lives every single game, as are 
Patrick Waugh's New York Islanders. They are in Pittsburgh for this game, and it's the Penguins, despite the fact that they are further down the standings than the Islanders as the favorites at home, minus 143. The Islanders plus 120, the total five and a half in this game. Penguins struggling, scrappy Isles team. Uh, let's let's go with a little value. Give me Islanders on the money line there. I do have to just quickly highlight the total. Uh, boy, it is not 1984. It is uh, it is today uh, with a total of five and a half there, mm-hmm. low scoring. Honestly, I'm looking at that, and it, it is low, right? Yeah. We, we've seen Leaf games recently, and the most recent one in St. Louis uh, yesterday be six and a half. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you look at the way these two teams are playing, and specifically the Penguins are playing. They can't score, especially on the power play, to save their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I wish the number was a little bit better, but... I don't, I like the under in that game. Yeah. At, at really. plus 105, despite it being as low as it is. I think it's as low as it is for a reason. Yeah, no Gunsel for Pittsburgh. Like, they're yeah. struggling, yeah. Yep. Uh, a lot of those games recently have gone under the total as well. That was The Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. 19 plus, bet responsibly. When we come back, Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content for DailyFaceoff.com. As the fan morning show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.